Hi, I'm Dan Primack, and welcome to Axios Recap. Today's Tuesday, July 14th. COVID test wait times are rising, some tech stocks are falling, and we're focused on one area of the economy that's actually benefited from the pandemic, gun sales. Usually when we hear about a spike in firearm sales, it's driven by a fear of new gun control laws, often in the wake of a mass shooting. But America hasn't had a large-scale shooting since the pandemic began, and gun stores have rarely been busier. Check out these numbers. Background checks in June were up 136% from June of 2019. In Georgia, that figure is more than 300%. In Illinois, gun permit applications for the first two weeks of June were five times higher than in the same time period last year. Overall, there were 7.8 million background checks for gun purchases between March and June, and over that period, Smith & Wesson stock was up threefold. It's worth noting, according to a trade association survey, 40% of these gun sales are going to first-time buyers. Normally, that figure would be closer to 25%. So what's happening? Part of it is that some Americans are just freaked out as the pandemic wreaks havoc on our way of life. There are also people who have increased safety fears in the wake of defund the police movements and rising gun violence rates in certain large cities. And then there's President Trump's unpopularity, which increases the likelihood that the White House could soon be occupied by somebody much more sympathetic to gun control arguments. To dig into this deeper, we are joined now by Zusha Ellenson, a Wall Street Journal reporter who also is writing a book about the AR-15 rifle. So, Zusha, in the time that you've been covering kind of the firearms industry, have you ever seen a spike like we've seen over the past few months outside of after a mass shooting event? No, we've absolutely never seen anything like this. I would even say it's much different than after a mass shooting event. What you've seen in the past with the biggest sales spikes is that people run out and buy AR-15 style rifles. And this is because it comes after a mass shooting. Politicians call for banning the AR-15. And a lot of people who want to get one before they get banned go out and buy them. So in the past, after Sandy Hook, after San Bernardino, when Barack Obama was elected president, the sales of AR-15s were driving these huge spikes. What we've seen in the last four months is incredibly different. And what we've seen is that people are running out to buy handguns this time. They are scared for personal safety. Started with the coronavirus when people felt society was falling apart a little, and now it's continued with the protests. Same feeling. You wrote about this in the Wall Street Journal this week, and one of the things you noted, I mentioned this in the lead, is that there's a very high percentage of the buyers between March and June who are first-time buyers. Is that, as you say, that just folks kind of feel that everything is a bit out of whack and they're scared? Yeah, that's absolutely what it is. And contrast it again with these previous big sales spikes. Those are buyers who already have a number of guns and they want to go get an AR-15 before They can't buy one. These are people coming to gun stores for the first time saying they feel unsafe and they want to get a handgun to protect their house or themselves. And what we saw during the coronavirus, we talked to a number of people during that first era. And what they said was they just didn't know if they could rely on the police to come to protect them. And it seemed to them that, you know, they had these visions of marauding hordes coming to take food and toilet paper. It does sound a little silly in retrospect, but I think at the time there was sort of this chaos 
in this great anxiety in America. We keep talking this March to June time period when you then kind of have in the middle of the George Floyd killing and then the protests and the defund the police movement. Have you seen an acceleration of the spike since that began? In March, the number went beyond anything we've ever seen in the history of America. There was more background checks for gun sales in that month than ever before. Then it went down slightly for two months and then it rocketed back up in June as all the protests started happening. So that's absolutely what we're seeing. And another interesting angle to this story is at least at first, we started to see a number of people buy guns who in the past never thought they would buy a gun. And I find that to be one of the more interesting angles of this story. Let me ask about that. And let me almost ask from a marketing standpoint, are you able to kind of unpack or figure out, is this folks who are sitting in their house feel unsafe and then that thought pops in their head, you know what, I've never wanted a gun before, but now is the time I should get one? Or is there basically some sort of kind of marketing push by the industry, by gun shops, et cetera, that are getting that message and putting that kernel in people's heads? Yeah, I mean, this is more a thing of people reading the news every day, getting scared and thinking about what they can do to protect themselves. And certainly we even spoke to people who, you know, they don't read the gun media. They don't read gun advertisements. These are liberals. And they went out and bought guns for the first time, which was very interesting to see. Spoke to one guy in Denver, you know, had marched for gun control and he had, you know, always sort of voted for politicians who favored gun control. When the coronavirus came along and he had had past experiences where police didn't show up to calls he made and he started wondering, you know, what can I do to protect myself? And he went out and bought a gun. Does that potentially change the politics at all of the gun and gun control debate? Are there enough of folks like that guy you saw in Denver, you know, a liberal who had marched for gun control, who now have guns, who might no longer be on the same side they used to be on? Well, that's a really interesting question. I wondered that too. And I asked, have you joined the NRA or something like that? And he said, hell no. In fact, he was asked to donate to the NRA when he bought his gun. There's a little like pop-up and he donated them like 25 cents and then wrote them a nasty letter saying how much he did not like the organization. And instead he joined a group called Liberal Gun Owners, the Liberal Gun Owners Group. He still stands for strong gun control positions. So I don't know how much it's going to change the debate. I think people are going out and buying their guns for the first time, and they still stand for sort of gun control. Let's hypothesize for a moment that Joe Biden wins the presidency and that Beto O'Rourke has some position, say, in the administration or either formal or informal. He could put in some strict gun control laws or, you know, with the Democratic Congress and pass it. But if we've got 7, 10, 12 million more guns in people's homes today than we had, you know, three, five months ago, does it change the effectiveness of any new gun control laws? Yeah, that's a great question. How does that change the politics on gun control? What kind of laws get passed? I think one of the things it might impact are the laws around buying guns and concealed carry and that sort of thing. A lot of these first-time owners who had previously supported strict rules for buying guns and for concealed carry were surprised to find how difficult it was to get a gun. Zush, let me just also ask, because you've written about this a bit in the past, with so many more guns in people's homes, particularly for new owners, are there second and third order impacts, things like domestic violence that might present themselves months, maybe years down the road? Yeah, I mean, I think gun control organizations are very clear about how worried they are about this. They're worried about more guns in the home at a time when there's a lot of chaos, a lot of uncertainty, an economic downturn, people losing jobs. They think it's a recipe for disaster. 
And they are encouraging, along with the gun industry as well, everyone to go get training, to lock up their guns. But yeah, certainly people are afraid that in these very perilous times, there's a lot more guns out there. Zusha Ellenson of The Wall Street Journal. Is there a title for the book yet? Tentatively calling our book American Gun, and it is the untold story of the AR-15 rifle. Thank you very much for joining. Thanks, Dan. Welcome back. What we're watching today is rents. There's been lots of political talk about banning evictions of those who've lost their jobs during the pandemic, but not nearly enough about how rents are too high for many Americans who do still have full-time jobs. The National Low Income Housing Coalition this morning put out its annual report on rent affordability and found that full-time minimum wage workers cannot afford a one-bedroom rental in 95% of U.S. counties. Well, unless they work 79-hour weeks, which works out to 11-hour days, seven days a week, plus a couple hours. All of this comes on the heels of new reporting that 32% of U.S. households didn't make their full July housing payments. The bottom line, America had a housing crisis before the pandemic. Now it's a catastrophe. Today, we're also looking ahead to tomorrow, July 15th, which is the new deadline for filing taxes. Why it matters for me is that I procrastinated back in April, so have a long night ahead of me. For the country, though, delayed tax filings threw a lot of fiscal 2021 planning out of whack. And after tomorrow, federal and state officials should have a better sense of just how deep their budgetary holes are. And finally today, we're looking at Burger King, which says that it's adding lemongrass to cows' diets in order to reduce their carbon emissions by around 33%, or put more bluntly, to reduce the number of times cows burp and fart. If this pilot program gets adopted more broadly, this would be a net benefit for both the climate and also, of course, for cows with sensitive senses of smell. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven, have a great national tape measure day. And we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios recap.